my gosh. Is it happening? Is it happening? <laughs> Wait. No, it's happening. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to the Lucy and Corey Anti-Power Hour. That was the worst beginning imaginable. Um, this was once to be a show that happened every month. Um, you guys missed a great one because my internet you missed it you missed it no let's it's the viewers fault let's 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 there there weren't any viewers i don't know how could it be their fault oh they should have been here live they should have been (laughs) we should have done it live that's true yeah we should have done live the most important news of this hours long discussion between Corey and i is that i'm wearing this sweet star wars tie that he sent me for christmas and specifically a new hope yes exactly a strangely underrated Star Wars in many ways. Strangely, yes, because I saw it at uh, a comic collectible shop near me, and I immediately I saw I recognized how specifically it was just a New Hope, and I thought, you know, who loves the New Hope? Lucy. True, Lucy loves the New Hope. More than anyone. Well, with my against me shirt, so I'm feeling it's pretty, a great combination. It's a great combination. Pretty fashionable. I wish today. we had some sort of crossover, perhaps. <laughs> I would show up for that. I don't know about anyone I else. Mean, like in terms of like uh, anarchist theme, Star Wars definitely has some. You could have some against me music in there. Throw it oh, in. That's a whole the rebels. Whole. Uh, <laughs> we didn't we didn't plan for this topic. No, there's just a lot of political things you could squeeze out of Star Wars for sure. This is true. This is true. But people, and I don't think people talk about Star Wars enough. But nevertheless, maybe we should. People don't nearly talk about it enough, really. But. Um, Maybe not for us. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm sitting here in Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, and I'm sitting here in Florida. I don't have any cats, but he's in Florida. So you got more plants than cats, really. I, I can't have any plants because of the cats. Oh, yeah. I keep wanting to give my friends plants, and then I realize their cats will eat them and they can't. They give can't them plants is like gifts. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty good gift, I guess. I mean, it could be. It's kind of like a responsibility, though. It's like. <laughs> But if you kill it, no one knows. No one cares except for you. The person who gave it to you would know. They come over to your house and they see a dead plant. They'd be like, "What the fuck?" I mean, I try to be. I try. The secret is don't water your plants that much. Oh, really? Just like absolutely underwater plants. You kind of like have a have an iron fist with your plants. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> because it's so easy to overwater, and you feel like you're doing a good thing. So just like err on the side of not doing that. That's my general rule for plant survival. Okay. Okay. Make a note of that in your... That's smart. I will. I will. <laughs> um, so what do we want to talk about today? What's our well, serious I... business? Well, a lot of serious business, of course, on Always. this uh, show. Uh, but I will say, I think once a month, probably... That's a lot for people. Once every six months. <laughs> Perfect. What an event it will be. And God yeah. knows we prepared. We have... Yeah, and then we'll do it live. Graphs. Like, somewhere. At, like... Where should we do a live? Um, like the RNC. That would be very cool. I'm not sure how or why we would get to do it live there, but I mean, I've been to the RNC and we could only improve it. That's right. That's right. You've been to the RNC. You're like a real person. So I mean, technically, I also ran to Jello Biafra there, and he's cooler than he has more cred than we do. So I don't know. Yeah, I've not been to the RNC myself, <laughs> uh, physically. I think the most embarrassing thing is how much fun I had when I went to the RNC. <laughs> but not because everyone was 
full of good ideas. <laughs> well, it would be strange. I mean, I've been to events and conferences where I feel like kind of like an outsider, like a weirdo, like um, some YAL events mm-hmm. have, like back in the day definitely made me feel that way. But yeah, that would be much even worse. Yeah. The art, like feeling like, uh, yeah, out of place at the RNC. Also had a good like time with killed. CPAC <laughs> back in the day. CPAC, yeah. Yeah. Seeing uh, Andrew Breitbart scream at Occupy DC was bracing. Huh. <laughs> wow, what a wild, uh, yeah, uncapsuled get, moment that was. That getting, uh, taking me back there. I also want to go to Freedom Fest because Freedom Fest to us probably is like what we're supposed to be coming out of libertarianism, but it, and it has some legit people still, and it has yeah. this whole contingent of, <laughs> oh. I mean, Trump spoke there in 2015, right? Yeah, yeah. I was there. I didn't go in, but I was outside the room. I've also I was... wanted to go to that because it's like, it's like my people, but like bizarro world and. Wait, so have, have you been? I've never Press? been. It's too fucking expensive, man. you never been. I, I was able to go through Students for Liberty multiple times. It's yeah, very, strange. very strange. Very strange. There's like a mix of like cool, like theory focused, like radical libertarians and anarchists. And there's like some of those and you like gravitate towards each other. But there's also a lot of like apolitical gold and oil investors like i, I got that sense yeah and some ways it's like the craziest and it's all above uh you know like a casino with like the poker games and stuff going below and it's just kind of a very strange it almost sounds made up what i'm describing but no that that's the thing i assume the contingent of like thoughtful libertarians have dwindled and dwindled and dwindled um as the years have gone on with that event i i i the most recent I was there was probably like 2015 or 16. Yeah. That was the last year I did anything notable, probably. But it was kind of cool being in Las Vegas. That was cool. And uh, a bunch of us, after Freedom Fest was over, went to uh, Penn Jillette's Bacon Donuts Party. And I've always been a fan of Penn Jillette. Uh, and, he became uh, a Democrat, finally. That was weird. Yeah, well, I mean, he had the right instincts on Trump. And so that was like central. Oh, I, I mean... Know. But he became, it, I don't know. It was, what do you mean he became a Democrat? You're saying he like registered as a Democrat to vote Democrat or he like I mean, adopted Democrat? That, but he went in a way that was seemed less radical than well, he could be. He I didn't don't, have to I, be a right winger. I don't recommend it. Well, he was never super. I mean, he was kind of vaguely associated with Cato. Uh, certainly not an anarchist. I thought he was for a hot minute, but I don't know. He I don't was? Know. That he, would was be, he sounded that pretty would be really close. Nice that would be news to me. No, he sounded, he had like, like, like those vibes, but I always recall him like stopping short of that actual. Mm. I don't know. Well, well let's I ask guess... him. Here's pet. No, sorry. <laughs> if only we, if you had a cameraman, you could have shifted to one of your cats and then we could have. Yeah. My cat yeah. named Pendulet. And his I mean, that'd be a decent name for a cat, Tully. actually. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. That's pretty mm-hmm. good. Well, that one down. I don't know. We got a uh, all the stuff I was looking into discussing seemed pretty depressing, I guess. But uh, yeah, one well, of that's, the, that's fair. 
One of the things we talked about talking about was there was that uh, ProPublica investigation of Clarence Thomas and his incredibly wealthy friend. Um, And I was feeling weirdly defensive after I read it, not of Clarence Thomas or particularly the incredibly wealthy friend, but the fact that this dude collects weird, creepy (laughs) historical artifacts and some people think that's really creepy and weird and i was like god if i was super wealthy i would have the most unsettling house like would i buy a a, a painting hitler painted i can't say i wouldn't i wouldn't like put it in my showroom so i had to think about it every day like but people were either deliberately or sincerely missing the point that for some people and I, i can't actually speak to super rich man but the whole point is the historical artifact. Like, if you have a painting that Hitler painted, you know that this incredibly consequential person was there painting that. Like, it's it's interesting. It doesn't mean, I don't know. I just, like, I feel like i got to f- defend my creepiness, I guess. I think, well, never feel the need to defend your creepiness, Lucy. But, um, and I think all of what you said, like, makes sense for the most part to be to be honest i didn't read whatever thing you're talking about and honestly i'm like totally ignorant of like the actual news story itself all i i only told you i want to talk about like the idea of like what we would collect if we were super wealthy so <laughs> yes. like because i saw your tweet about like what you would collect if you were super wealthy and i was like that's such a fun topic and like thought experiment <laughs> like i knew it connected back to this other thing and like i know a little bit about the other thing but i don't have super strong opinions either way about the other thing i assume i like my general sense is like, why are you looking up? Like you're so flabbergasted. Well, I was looking, so I was looking at my many weird. Oh, you have weird things there. Like, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Here's here's something random. Whoa! What is this? Just a notification for. Um, you have typhoid fever. Are you okay? Uh, no, but someone in the 1920s, or at least we want to be ready if they did. Where did you get that? That's from an antique store very nearby. I love antique stores. Oh my god. All of the money fun. would go there. They're so fun. And you can open up your own Lucy's Antique Store. Yeah, it's my creepy house of creepy dolls and war artifacts. Lucy's house of creepy dolls and war artifacts. A great store. Now, well, what would I, you in your mansion? Your creepy see, mansion? I don't know. That's, that's a hard question. I'm not inclined towards... I don't think towards like the creepy element like you are. Like I would not want that weird typhoid fever thing um <laughs> well, or I guess anything like that i mean like i call i collect various things i would probably just get like more batman collectibles mm-hmm. and like various superhero memorabilia and posters and stuff because mm-hmm. that's what i already collect so i feel like i don't i don't know if i would start collecting some new thing i do like books and so i've sort of got into like mildly collecting books and cool books and like signed books and stuff I almost feel like books isn't even, like, obviously you can be a book collector, but having too many books, to me, always felt pretty default. Like, I don't know. Like, who doesn't have books? <laughs> Are you Jerry Seinfeld? I don't know. <laughs> Am What's I? Cool books? No, I'm saying that, like, it's not a very weird taste. It's just, like, how no, do you but, not have books? Well, it's one thing mean, to, like, have a bunch of books and, like, read them but it's another thing to like seek out like like old or like specific 
uh, first prints or signed books or like I mean novels, that's true, yeah. Novel novels. Novel novels. Um, and so I've I've definitely started to do that just a little bit in the last few years. I really didn't care before. For most of my life, I was always give me the cheapest paperback, crappiest, newest. I don't care what it is. I just want it for to read it for the utility of it. Um, in terms of like antique books and stuff, I got some when Jeff Riggenbach died and left me some of his books. And so now I feel almost like like an obligation to carry on what was he had a quite quite the book collection, clearly from his many years on this earth. I feel like you got to tell people when you're dropping these names and organizations, you got to. Oh, the organization named Jeff Riggenbach. Well, that organization. <laughs> he said YAL before, which was Young Americans for Liberty. Um, oh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Jeff Riggenbach was a major libertarian uh, uh, journalist, uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, and also is kind of famous for um, among libertarians for like uh, his like kind of radio voice and like doing voiceover like so he's done a lot of voiceover for like c4ss articles or like other stuff on the internet you can look up he's like done audiobooks and stuff like that i don't know that i even knew that either so the fine people oh, yeah. who one day watch this must know <laughs> yeah yeah you can look it up he did he narrated one of my articles for c4ss a few years ago uh before he died um and anyway i got to know him in houston he passed he left me a bunch of his books and there's some like crazy books in there with, with autographs and so I'm like, well, I should like obviously continue on this thing. So like now when I go to antique stores or like bookstores, I kind of do take a peek at that stuff. But books are also really expensive too. Like it's a popular collectible market. Um, I mean, new books for sure. Um, no, but like old books, like they can cost thousands of dollars or signed books. Oh yeah. That's what I mean. Like, so. What do I have over there? Anything? So yeah, you would fill your mansion with um, typhoid fever certificates and uh, 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 I know on Twitter you said that That would be really off-putting if that was the only thing in there. It was just like disease. Just a a collection of diseases. Just only that. There's nothing else. But why are you so into gas masks? Because that's one of the creepier ones where I'm like, Lucy, like what? Because I bought that's one of the first weird antiques that I bought at like apropos of nothing but my own strangeness is I have a World War One gas mask. And I even bought that before I got into Doctor Who via the episode where there are scary gas masked zombie children running amok. Because like there's just something very evocative about a gas mask. And like, if you look up old World War One photos, you'll find like horses and gas masks. Hmm. It's very unnerving in a very yeah. A lot of that include, and then my later interest in civil defense manuals about nuclear war. I have a bunch of those. Um, it's also sort of the evocative, the visual, like how unsettling it is and stuff. I don't know. I just I think it's kind of cool that you collect that and that people collect that, but I don't think I could collect that. <laughs> I mean, the civil defense manuals are sort of my my favorite thing um, because American ones are very cartoony um, often or like even the font looks sort of wacky and it's about just like the worst thing that humanity could ever do is if there was a nuclear war. So it's a really bizarre juxtaposition. Um, 
generally I like animation and sort of visual things now a lot more than I did as a child, so I just keep following that, I guess, down a weird road. Yeah, <laughs> try not to give Starbucks free advertising. Against me shirt and a Starbucks, we can't. Can't be doing mm. that. True, this true. Even, don't worry, I made this coffee with my own hands. I just didn't want to get a new cup, so I used that. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's fair. Is I it just... recording me? What's that? Is it recording me? Are we having technical issues? What do you mean? Oh, it doesn't show, like, my little sound guys. Oh, I see your little sound guys. <laughs> okay. It doesn't show it on mine. It shows yours, but on mine it's not. So I just wanted to make sure. If it's on your though, it's on your end though. So I mean, I have fun. a great paranoia. What was after last time? I know. Trials and tribulations, to be sure. Our viewers have no idea. We we <laughs> uh, recorded like a whole episode, um, and then finally gave up after like infinite intermittent internet connection issues. I was at my parents in West Virginia. I didn't realize that their their internet was getting real wacky that yeah. day. So yeah, it was definitely your parents in West Virginia fault, but. Um, <laughs> Bit. yeah i thought about like i thought maybe we should just reenact that episode do you still <laughs> want to do that because it's pretty early on in this one and i don't know how much more we have to talk about we could just reenact because last episode was really good the fans missed out on it we could try to redo it word for word you can i think we should do it but then have a, like a reenactment disclaimer at the bottom like you would have on like various Discl documentary style shows disclaimer yeah, <laughs> this is a reenactment. Yeah, well, we should we should have got of... actors to portray ourselves. Actually, that would have been. Oh yeah, very... I'm getting like real rehearsal vibes. You know, like that Nathan Fielder show. Did you watch that? Oh, it's really good. Okay, you should. You would like it. It's it's definitely your uh, creepy, weird, obscure whole vibe. I do. That's that. that sometimes that's my vibe. That's another thing where I'm aging either back, if not backwards, but sideways. When I realized that, like... Aging sideways, was that? <laughs> I just like cute shit and morbid shit. And... Oh, you like the polarities. I do. Extreme. It's a very Hot Topic vibe, turns out. Nice. And I'm an adult, but you know what? That's okay. Uh, no, but I just... I don't want to give a super rich Republican who hangs out and with Clarence Thomas the benefit of the doubt as much as... I might. I don't. I don't want. I don't care to do that. But I just think it's just, there's a subjective taste line. Oh, and speaking of books, okay, I saw a tweet in response to this whole minor kerfuffle. Somebody straight up claimed that they studied Nazi Germany for like thirty years, and they have never read nor do they possess a copy of Mein Kampf because uh, they can get the information elsewhere. And sure, you can get a lot of that. Technically, you can't get every word elsewhere. But, like, I hate to use the term virtue signaling because the right has also taken that and strangled it and beaten it and made it a thing. But, like, what a virtue signal that is. I would never read a historically relevant book. I would never touch it. Yeah. You know? I would never buy it. Like, there's no Hitler family getting the proceeds. I promise. Like, That's like, very weird. He doesn't get anything out of it. I have read about 35 pages of Mein Kampf. I was getting a little bored. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, here's a charismatic yet tedious person who starts hating on various groups by about page three and is a weird, obsessive nationalist. Kind of everything you might expect, but, you know, yeah, interesting for a couple of pages, to be sure. So, like, but it's well, a very... 
it's, I don't know. It's subjective, but I feel <laughs> true well, crime is so popular, but like. Mm. That was an interesting so, analogy. Yeah, I mean, I always felt slightly like it's like it's it's more acceptable to be into like World War Two than like Jeffrey Dahmer. But but it's more that. I don't know. I saw someone be like, oh, yeah, my like they were being facetious and they were like, yeah, my shrine to Jeffrey Dahmer is to remind me of how horrible he was as a comparison to like people who had, you know, different Nazi <laughs> artifacts and stuff. And I was like, that's both. A, that's kind of a fair comparison. But just don't be a creep and don't be obsessive and don't if you're only focused on Nazis. And it's like a lot, then it's a, that's a little excessive but i'm sorry it's interesting yeah no i i totally agree uh i mean i've never read mind comp but i wouldn't be opposed to i think i think it, it might be interesting as i say uh, it gets a little tedious pretty quick well the, you know maybe it's not worth it for that reason not for yeah. the reason that but the idea that you can't have it in the house because it's yeah you're giving it too much power i mean it's a powerful oh, totally thing agree. that happened but the, the book it. is a totem you know it's not yeah yeah there's nothing like inherently like reading about bad things that have happened reading about evil things that have happened or evil ideas that people believe um directly from the sources i don't know why does that imply any inherent position either way on that stuff and in fact if you're opposed to that stuff then there's kind of a a know your enemy type logic to thinking it's worth engaging with it on some level uh, to some point. You can be a little obsessive. Again, there's everyone has a line somewhere. Yeah. I, t I try to tell people this all the time, uh, be it cancel culture or speech or what have you. Someone's line is somewhere. Um, and like, I don't know. You can be creepy. You can be distasteful. You know, there have been controversies with people, like, taking selfies in front of Auschwitz and, like, because they were young, dumb tourists. And, like, I don't know, be a little more <laughs> respectful and stuff. But, like... Okay, so, apparently Jordan Peterson used to cover his house with authoritarian, mostly, like, Soviet art so that he could know the enemy. And he seems super normal and... <laughs> even keeled and yeah so like don't be too much like you can be too much you know be try to oh. balance your interests try not to fixate in a strange way oh don't, sure and and and, and and i'm sure some people have more affinity with certain things they collect than other things than they collect um it doesn't mean inherently collecting like certain things or having them as parts of your collection um Again, it's like inherently wrong or inherently indicative of like agreeing in some way with it. In the ca in the case of this, whatever that's going on, the person in question, I'm sure they have more affinity with certain weird historical artifacts that they collect than others. Perhaps some of the Nazi stuff, I have no idea. I don't really care. They seem like a jackass either way, regardless of the existence of their collection. Right. Um, I think the kind of the only reason the collection is picked up, like that's what everyone's talking about, is because it's such a cool and like weird idea. Uh, like and also like does like present these interesting um questions about like like taboo collections or something um i just really but... love objects um i love objects and i love history so no and knowing exactly that an object was in someone's hand or was likely to be somewhere oh i think that's cool endlessly i agree and... i agree i i don't really 
like I have no interest in having something Hitler had or like any <laughs> any like horrible dictator had. I guess I see the interest appeal and perhaps maybe like some sort of weird museum could be better suited for those things. Well, the uh, idea is that he's so goddamn rich, he's making his own museum, which again, if I were an insanely wealthy guy, I'd rather have a creepy museum on my property than hang out with Clarence Thomas. Um, sure, those are my two options, like if I had to pick either. <laughs> and this man's doing both. What a renaissance man. <laughs> um, there was a case where a comedian that that I enjoy sometimes, my husband's always watching his podcast, Tom Segura, he gave another comedian friend that he does a podcast with Hitler's teacup that he used like once, like probably it wasn't like his favorite teacup. <laughs> and that's so weird, but I'm like, it would have been too far if it was his favorite teacup. Like that <laughs> would be, the thing. this that is would all be... insane, but it also isn't like the definitive statement on someone's secret sympathies. You know, it's just a weird, right. It is closer to true crime, like creepiness, than I think maybe I would have liked to admit for a long time. But uh, if somebody gave also, me Hitler's teacup, I would be like, "That's weird." I would protect it somewhere. I wouldn't. I would like and periodically look at it and be like, "That's so weird." <laughs> I'd like touch whole, it, like, and I'd poke like, it, and be like, Ugh, "Hitler." You have, you have like one room where like nothing's in except the teacup. You just go in there like once every few years. Like, wow, that's weird. Like. You like show your friends like, hey, you want to see Hitler's teacup? I have a whole room dedicated. I don't know. I would be honestly tempted to destroy that sort of thing. But again, I think that's my. That's personal what the comedian. That's what the other guy said as soon as he got it. He was like, oh. "Am I supposed to? I feel like I'm supposed to destroy yeah. this." I feel like there's. I feel like I feel like there's a case to be made in terms of like, and a cathartic <laughs> or even almost aesthetic act in itself of like destroying that type of historical item. But I also see the uh, appeal in like preserving history, even the worst, under the right in the right context. Uh, so I could go other way. I mean, some I, I think I would destroy it. You, you think so? That would be yeah, that would be more fun, and I definitely wouldn't want it in my house or to collect it, and I and I wouldn't want to give it to anyone else. And I think it could be like, like you like cause now you can say I destroyed like a piece of history, like a, hist a famous historical artifact. Like I didn't protect it; I just fucking treated it like garbage. And, and it, I mean, because it belongs used by uh, you know a terrible a terrible person yeah, yeah. i but don't items owned by cool people are different <laughs> i had a discussion with um our editor guy non-servium about those climate protesters who were throwing soup and oil and other stuff on paintings and they were all protected so right as far as i know they were undamaged and I was saying, like, admittedly, like, if they if they damaged, like, a Van Gogh painting, I'd be a little upset because, and he was like, why? You know, there's a million copies of it. And again, for me, it comes back to, like, the person that we know about, this, this, this design came out of his head, and he, and Van Gogh's whole thing was, like, those crazy thick globs of paint and stuff. I don't know. It's not the most important thing on the earth, but, like, yeah, I want to yeah. preserve that. I do, as yeah. much as I'm not super uh, familiar with art, more uh, modern art, such as smashing Hitler's teacup, I would support your art installation where you smash Hitler's teacup. That would be kind of cool. It's true. I can't, I can't argue with that. I often uh, uh, ask people, what, and, this is, and so this is directly relevant to the conversation. I'm curious what your answer is. I don't know if we've discussed it before, but what... Uh, historical item or object from history would you own if you could just pick? Oh. Like, just 
grab it right out of, you know, time. I mean, and now it's now you have it. I don't that's hard. It's, it is hard, it is hard. I mean I, like I, you go. I have one. an answer because okay, I've, I, I've always asked people this. And so I've thought about it for years. And um, I think what comes to mind for me is uh, Aristotle's Poetics Part 2. Part and the two. reason is because this is lost history. So oh, think, there you go. Yeah. I think it's, 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 it's so part one was about drama. And that shaped the way we think about drama for 2000 years. Part two is about comedy, apparently, we know from other oh. people. And so it would be very interesting if that wasn't lost and that had influenced our views on comedy for many years. And the idea of like finding, uh, you know, or having an item from lost history and being able to engage with that, that to me is is, is very cool. So I, I find it hard to think of anything cooler than that. That's a great answer. I mean, if you think about all the stuff that we don't have, some of which we know it was there and then it's lost, some of we never had. I mean... When you think about how much history of the human race is lost or totally it's so non-existent, depressing. it's really wild. Um, it's so depressing. It is sad. It's it's like it's a it's a permanently unresolved mystery. I mean, yeah. unless we get that time travel thing going, which you know I, I'm crossing my fingers, first in line for that. You know, and like I don't know, certain uh, English nerds would be like find those Hemingway lost stories, you know, like there's a million answers that somebody yeah. uh, could pick. Another one that randomly came to my mind, which has far less far reaching significance than your example was uh, George Mallory and Sandy Irvine. George Mallory was the famous mountain climber guy more so. Uh, they died on Mount Everest in the twenties. Right. Oh. And Mallory's body was found in the, in the late nineties. Um, wow. And so, like, did they, they conceivably they could have made it to the top 30 years before Sir Edmund Hillary? We don't know. Supposedly, the other guy, Sandy Irvine, they ever found had a camera. Supposedly, you could find a camera after 100 years and develop that film. Like, like just like, I mean, there's there's too many, you know? Like, that's that is not... such a cool answer. And I didn't know you were <laughs> such an aficionado of Mount Everest uh, records and history. Uh, well. That's very interesting. Lemar, I have Sir Edmund Hillary's autograph, which is fun. Oh. Um, that's cool. One of the first nonfiction books I ever read, and one that was weirdly significant. Again, I don't have the political philosophy answers. I have Into Thin Air by John Krakauer, which I read when I was like 10 years old, huh. which is about just like a collection of mishaps and bad decisions in 1996, the climbing season on Mount Everest. Um, it's a great journalistic thing. Krakauer was there. Um, I think he does a phenomenal job kind of summing it all up in a, in a sympathetic human way, but still pointing out all the bad decisions when it comes to, you know, it costs $60,000 back then to, to hire a guy to get you to Mount Everest. Maybe you're not going to have no business being there because you're not really trained enough. There's like lots of different types of yeah. human drama playing out. Um, but I think what captivated me most, I remember reading that as a child was, um, some guy named Beck Weathers was left for dead during a storm. And then like 10 hours later, he just like got up and like staggered back to the camp while being like frozen. And like, what? <laughs> it was one of my first things where I was like, that really happened, but it's like a story. Stuff that really happens can be like a story that you almost wouldn't believe it was a story. Yeah. No, and that has <laughs> been my lifelong obsession is things where you're like, that, what, that can't be real. Mm. And if it was, a screenwriter wrote it you'd be like that's 
that's a little much. Um, and these things happen. So that was a weirdly... Well, another piece of the <laughs> puzzle fits into place. Uh, no, I love that you're attracted more to the kind of eccentric or odd or bizarre. And those sorts of answers to that question are just as fun, if not more fun, than other kinds of answers. Um, now, I do have another question for you, which is, have you climbed Mount Everest? Yourself, not lately. <laughs> not lately. Will, I... will you in the near future or ever try to again? <laughs> I wouldn't mind being in Nepal, though I do get altitude sickness at lower altitudes, so who knows how rotten I would feel. I would love to see Mount Everest with my eyeballs in you real life. You want to see it, I don't, but you don't want to I don't know if it. I ever will. I wouldn't mind seeing it. I'm not. I have no interest you would, in climbing. You wouldn't climb it? Uh, I would need a lot of Celebrex. Uh, my what if there was an elevator? Would you like take the elevator right up to the top? I don't. Do I get oxygen? I mean... Yes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, free oxygen on the house. Oh, wow. Thank you. I don't know. I mean, maybe, I guess. <laughs> I like heights, but some of the heights on Mount Everest sound like a lot. So. Yeah. Well, I think it's a pretty tall place. So. That would... <laughs> yes. I uh, don't like heights, so that would be difficult. Although I've, I've endured it to do other cool things. Still don't like heights, so it's it's hard to say. But, yeah. Uh, but, uh, I don't think my knee or ankle or toe is really up to the challenge, I would say. But also they say that Mount Everest is not even that hard. You know, if you want to be a badass, you climb like K2 or something, which is the second highest mountain. They say climbing Mount Everest isn't that hard? They do who, say who's that. They? Who's they? That, that Mountaineering some... people? <laughs> well, wow. Life must be easy if you think Mount Everest is not, climbing, not that It's hard. not like the most difficult technical climb by far. It's, it's, it's definitely not. See, I'm just I don't know why I know things I, like this. I appreciate being educated about the mountain climbing community and their and their consensus viewpoints about which mountains are the most technically <laughs> difficult to climb. Um Yeah. So Should we talk about something of yours like tuned into I don't know what they tuned in for. Um, that's true. We could have a lot of mountain charisma tuning in as just coincidentally that so here's to you mountain climbing aficionados listening to us and watching us. I think I just it all to me it all comes back to sort of what's a good story and to me a lot of the time a nonfiction thing is a good story not that I don't love certain novels but oh it's I agree it's crazy it's to me how much stuff happened that does seem like fiction but it really did does happen and it really does, will continue to happen things that are defy belief in that way I mean my favorite like nerd activity with my parents is to watch some movie that's like advertised as based on a true story especially if we don't really know what it is watch it and then i immediately have to look up like how much reality yeah. is attached to it yeah for sure it's a fun it's a fun pastime wow yeah i did that with like um like avengers infinity war you know i had to look it up afterwards and i was like i was like i'm not sure how much of this was based on what happened in the real world and i looked it up and like a shocking amount of it actually happened i was really surprised like I'm at least reports <laughs> i'm not i mean in the sense that it was a movie that was filmed, technically it all happened. Yeah, like those Does events, that work? <laughs> like th those people stood in that location and right. they were on camera in that way, uh, and the trees were there behind them in that way. And well, I mean, even the trees, yeah. I'm not sure. To be honest. Yeah, <laughs> like, we can't true. really. And their clothes are probably CGI. I mean, yeah. And their hair. I mean, yeah. But still, it's more historical than I thought of by virtue of the fact that people went there and did things. It's more. And that was captured on camera. Yeah, this is something captured on camera, not a drawing. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. But even a drawing, like that person drew that on that piece of paper in time and place, just like you said. So this is making this. God, it's all coming together. It all yeah. makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> what else wow. on the What else on the lot? Um, I guess we can move on topics. See, this this topic fills me with great joy. So. Oh, what's that? No, I mean that's what we just did. We're, where I just I was excited. I thought you were saying yeah. you're introducing a new topic and saying, "Oh, this one fills me with great joy." No, there was another really depressing one I thought we could talk about, but I was enjoying the that's, other one much too much. That's almost just as good. So, uh, just I roll mean, the dice. <laughs> Which um, depressing topic? I forget. I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, yeah. It was just the other day they were going to pardon uh, the guy. The, the guy who shot and killed uh, uh, Garrett uh, Foster. Yes. Okay, so... so uh, back in um, 2020... It's been that long now? Wow. I believe so. It was the height of the George Floyd Black yeah. Lives Matter protesting. It seems like uh, not that long ago. Um... There was a guy who was actually known in libertarian circles, um, and he, he was a member of the protesters. He was there with his fiance. He was open carrying a rifle, which I'm officially convinced now is a bad idea. But he got shot and killed by a guy in a car um, who had a great deal of, like, there's texts and other things and Googles where he was like killing protesters, like running over protesters, like like talking about the stand your ground type laws, self-defense laws, and literally was like, oh, I'm gonna go kill some protesters or send those other protesters to Texas and we'll show them kind of. So some stuff that looked really bad for him at his trial. And uh, also um, when he was arrested, he, 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 he said that- um, He wasn't pointing the gun at him. Right, yes, but he didn't yeah, he do said that. He didn't want to let him aim the gun at him. So right, which is a problem when it comes to the problem. <laughs> using lethal force if, if the guy hasn't pointed yeah. a gun at you. And yeah. this is the problem with open carrying. I'm exceedingly pro-gun rights, but and I even think that the jury, as far as I looked, I didn't exhaustively look into uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, but as far as I can tell, I think the jury was right to make that decision, but that he should never have been there. His, he's a yeah. dumbass. His mom's a dumbass. And his being there did cause the situation in the sense that open carrying can make you look like a threat to people, people who are even, you know, well-meaning. One of the guys, the guy who, like, hit Rittenhouse with a skateboard, I think the second guy to be killed, sure seems like he was really well-intentioned and thought this was some guy, you know, up to no good with a gun. But in the moment, I can be like, okay, I get that was not, you know, but I still judge him for being there in the first place. Um, but now you have a whole contingent of conservative people, conservative media, who are in favor of Governor Greg Abbott pardoning Mr. I'm, I'm going to run over protesters guy um, for, for killing... Our, our libertarian friend and like 
even uh, Kyle Rittenhouse himself was like in favor of of like this pardon when Kyle Rittenhouse is closer to the guy who got shot than the guy who did the shooting in terms of but the whole thing seems to come down to if you are with the protesters then you're a threat that's what it comes down to Rittenhouse was against the protesters so it's not even about gun rights it's not even about open carry rights it's about you know if you're against or in favor of Black Lives Matter so it looks really bad um yeah, I don't think there's much genuine effort to hash out the specifics of the cases, but just a matter of punishing political opponents. I mean, it's just weird because in terms of um, libertarians, okay, I have the Balco thing open now that he wrote on his uh, Substack. Yeah, he had a article. It was very good. I mean, Republicans have long, most of them will be like, libertarians, you're on our side, you know? Those damn Democrats are going to steal our freedom. You're with us. But really, when it comes down to it, again, if you're if you're with Black Lives Matter, if you're a black guy, one of my favorite heinous examples is Philando Castile. A couple of years ago, had a legal handgun in his car, was stopped at a traffic stop, told the cop he had it, and was very soon after fatally shot. There was a child in the car, after this, it was it was Castile's girlfriend and her daughter. After this occurred, the NRA did nothing to support Castile, a legal gun owner. In fact, said because there was like marijuana remnants in the car that Castile was like dangerous. Even yeah. though you're talking about a cop who fired a gun into a car that had a child in it, if nothing else. Yeah, so... yeah. there's a... <laughs> I'm reminded of... A... The C4SS article by Thomas Webb makes a great distinction between our gun culture and gun rights. Okay, I haven't seen that one, actually. I mean, the gun culture is horrific and uh, not totally in favor of gun rights, but more about a certain vision of one's in-group and one's political enemies. That's a very... I'm going to look that up, because that's intriguing. Yeah, it's good. The article's called, uh, I think, Gun Culture versus... Our Gun Culture versus Gun Rights, or something like that phrase. It's on C4SS. Okay. Uh, I'm going to link that. There's just a useful distinction. It really clarifies the problem. I mean, organizations like the NRA claim to be for gun rights, and it's really only for certain people. It's unfortunate for people who really do favor gun rights. It is. And, of course, when you try to speak to a Democrat or sort of a mainstream type like that, and you say that you're more in favor of gun rights than the NRA is, it's kind of hard to sell that yeah. viewpoint to those people because it comes off very confusing. Yeah. Um, but again, Ronald Reagan, anti-gun law in California because of the Black Panthers, a direct response to that. Um, Balco goes over other stuff, recent stuff where, you know, if uh, any sort of Antifa style, I don't know specifically, people would, co- would show up with armed to certain drag shows because there have been threats and there's this insane moral panic about it. And that's a big deal. But, you know, yeah, the the, the, no, the opposite side being armed somehow it might, isn't. It might not be very wise at all to bring uh, that gun like he did to that protest like he did. It might not be wise. It doesn't matter in terms of the lethal force that was used or the morality of who's in the wrong in that situation. Um, I mean, I do think open carrying especially a gun like that, you can sort of create more of a problem. But yep. that does, that's not a... <laughs> right. 
that doesn't excuse every reaction to it and stuff. Certainly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As Balco points out in that article, I think, I think, right. He was, uh, you know, that could be used as a defense in every open carry state whenever anyone's walking around with a gun at all. Right. Like, Oh, it's, well, you might do this or, you know, um, that would be a strange sort of way to think about it. I mean, it was nothing. And, and, uh, yeah, it, uh, really the, um, worsening, uh, examples of the whole gun culture versus gun rights thing with the, uh, trans mass shooter and now other attempts to like make mass shooters say like, Oh, well they were actually trans and all this stuff. And like, I, this is, I, I mean, there's just such outright explicit calls to disarm trans people on the grounds of being trans and, um, by extension on the grounds of being mentally ill. Right. Uh, and, and saying that people who the government deems mentally ill or people who identify as trans or both apparently don't have gun rights. So, I mean, I've been seeing for... Sorry. Oh, no, it's, it's an unfortunate development. I've been seeing for years, like, I remember Ann Coulter, you know, 10 or 15 or even more years ago, basically saying after a shooting, you know, liberals are talking about gun control. We need... You know, it's the ACLU's fault because they made it harder to involuntarily commit people. And it's like, oh there's no there's no principle here. It's, it's never been more obvious that there's no coherent principle at work. Um, I mean, and it's, theoretically, that's, a, that's an ideology that could bite a conservative in the ass at some point. But they're so blithely in favor of, well... Very much so. Because in the... It, very, it bites them in the ass in a very first order way because... It disincentivizes people from getting mental help and seeking that kind of help that they need on risk of losing their rights, gun rights or other rights. Or uh, even more severely, their entire <laughs> personhood rights to freedom, yeah, I mean, to choose their medication, what, what have you. I think we desperately need a mental health system that is non-coercive and doesn't have the threat of involuntary indefinite detainment hanging over it because what a disincentive to request help that is my god yeah including for people who you know we're rather like we might be concerned about somebody who's like a pedophile somebody who's having violent impulses as unpleasant as it sounds the setup now is wait for them to do something horrible (laughs) and then you know if there's somebody who's like okay I, there's a place somebody with terrible impulses can talk. It couldn't be worse than what we have now, and it would certainly be less coercive. Like, right, right. Um, I just, I don't. I'm not really shocked anymore. I guess by the Republican, but it's just Rittenhouse thinks he's 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 the guy in the car who shot. He thinks he's Daniel Perry who was driving in a car and had had a gun. And he's Garrett Foster. He's the guy who was on the ground opening, carrying a gun. But again, if you're with the protesters, somehow it's yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, there's another level to this too. As someone who wants to see prisons go away as a way of dealing with problems in society, um, but pardoning of that guy has nothing to do with that. As and has nothing to do with alternative ways of restoring justice um it just has to do with setting a precedent to make it easier to kill protesters or otherwise harm them using your cars using your right that was the other Uh, thing 
so that, that's i think that's a huge part of it and it, it's seen as okay because if you're if you're my political enemy then you have no right to protest what, where you are apparently and so anything i'm doing is really self-defense it's this kind of tortured logic and yeah i think it has to do with that that vision that that's this was like a very commonplace sentiment what that guy was saying before he rammed his car into the protesters i've seen it often vaguely yeah. wanting to do that uh, in life as a form of cathartic expression or something when it's actually just like this murderous impulse and it's such a it's such a bad sign like i see a lot of people like fanboying about roof koreans which are the um uh, okay. there are photos from the from the rodney yeah. king riots in los angeles generally korean like convenience store owners with some impressive looking guns on their roofs and like that was a really violent really dangerous just like 50 people died in those riots like i get being frightened and sort of vigilant but the way that the roof koreans i hate even saying that it's like it creeps me out are talked about like 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 yeah, this heroic kind of... way as if as if they're dying like oh i hope they got to use that like it's it's Again, it's like whatever. It's a different type of gun culture, and it's really repellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's in human history often been this trend of you valorize these stories of apparent heroism or bravery or like action in the face of adversity or whatever it is, and 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 you end up just want like 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 kind of per, it kind of perverts the whole thing into like you're not valoring valorizing heroism in the abstract. You're like kind of like fantasizing about this situation being thrust upon you so you could kill people yes and like or like engage in whatever else thing whatever else activity that that in your mind is just part of like heroism or self-defense or something but but might veer into you know actually actively like lethal force or unjustified uh, you know lethal force and stuff like that it's difficult to parse the what what morality obliges of us in situations like that i i i think but, well, but yeah, it's, it's exactly what you're, yeah, no, but I know exactly where people go all the way to one end and it's like, yeah, it is just this kind of bloodthirsty fantasy element, um, which is, which is, I mean, people looking back on it and they're all, they're often, they were talking about particularly the 2020 protests and riots, both, um, you know, all the property damage. And I think. You know, on the left, there can be a little, it can be a little too lackadaisical about property damage. Like, I'm not that broken up about a Starbucks window. Shout out to Laura Jane Grace. <laughs> um, but you know, you can if you if you smash up some independent business owner's uh, store, uh, that's not his life, but that represents maybe years and years of his work to get that store open. I mean, you can, you are taking something from somebody who presumably didn't do anything. So when people, the, I've seen the left offer a false dichotomy between is you know is is property more important than human life? The answer is obviously it's not, but it's not an ideal situation, and particularly with fires because no, yeah, so I, when you light a fire, you don't know where the fuck it's going to go. The, yeah, um, especially yeah, the kind of actions taking place that definitely determines or informs the the permissibility, and I and I agree like. Uh, yeah yeah I, I i agree with what you're saying it's it's i think the left uh probably underrates the connection between property and like the life of like and the time and the energy right and like centrality of like it's more quite a bit i think we're like it's more clear in, in a situation where like you know you have someone who's living in poverty and who like whose job depends on like 
this food truck they have or something, mm-hmm. and, you know, and like the prospect of like someone coming and like stealing or destroying the food truck or like wresting the food truck away from them. And like what kind of force is permissible in this situation? That food truck is central to the livelihood of that person. What if they can't eat without it? They can't feed their kids without it. It's not just this, this entirely detached like entity, like over there unrelated to that person's life and like right. the sustainability of their life. So I think the left kind of underrates maybe that sort of connection, but then the right goes the other way and overrates the connection by way of like seeing lethal force as permissible way more often than it really is. Absolutely. And, and, and like implicitly like make that connection way closer than it is by saying like any kind of lethal force, even when people are perhaps like, like fleeing or something like, uh, it, it goes back to the kind of the murderous fantasy sort of, sort of view. Yeah. I mean, and with the, with the roof Korean thing, it's like looking back and like, oh, I would have done it differently. I would have made sure they didn't get what was mine sort of thing. And like the reason presumably that you can use lethal force when someone breaks into your home is not because they're about to steal your favorite vase, you know, or even like your savings account under the mattress. The reason the lethal force is immediately sort of um, acceptable is that it's you don't know what their, their intentions are. They exactly. have come onto your sort of extended self, your yeah. poverty, your, yeah. your home, which, which yeah. should have the most sort of defensive control over, you know? Shout out to the yeah. castle doctrine of, of yore, which I bring that back. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um... And again, ambigu- ambiguity, absolutely. And not to trust the justice system, but... I think ambiguity in these in these cases is presented um, like those dudes. Oh my gosh, was it Texas? I can't remember now. Who chased down that black guy who was jogging and who, you know, briefly stepped and looked at a construction site which was technically trespassing and took nothing. And this uh, these two guys chased him down and sort of didn't let him go and eventually killed him. And it took a while. For those guys to go on trial, but eventually they were arrested because people were like, "What the hell? Right. That's not lethal force. That's that. That's going yeah. on a chase. You know. Like that's." And again, the justice system is horrifically flawed. But every once in a while, they're getting in the neighborhood of like this. There's some logic going on. It's the nicest thing I'll ever say about the justice system, to be sure. They're getting in the neighborhood of logic. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, in terms of you know what I also. 20th century uh, uh, First Amendment court decisions in America are also, I'm also a fan of those. They, uh, they're in a direction that I like. So every yeah. once in a while, something legal is okay, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, uh, yeah. The courts uh, have made a number of um, protections viable, um, but at the same time, done a bunch of other stuff that's violated rights. Of course. I just think with, with, with self-defense, there is sort of almost an instinctual way to sort of try to feel your way towards something logical. Some, you know, lethal force at some point becomes justified. But, you know, in spite of parody libertarianism, you can't like you can't shoot a child who chases like their soccer ball onto your property because that was your property. That would not be proportional. Yeah. That was is very lacking from certain uh, right people in particular, right wing people. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you can make sense of defense without 
also having a notion of proportionality. They're connected. What you know, they kind of go hand in hand. And and I feel like some people have this view of like well, libertarianism centers property rights, a certain conception of property rights. Uh, but that doesn't mean you have the right to do anything you want to anyone on your property. I mean, you have the right to exclude people from your property, but you don't have the right. This is not all of America, you bordertarian fucks. Well, that's a whole, that's a whole other, do I sense anger and, um, (laughs) (laughs) well, yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, that's the, I think those are even like more tortured arguments to like spit border controls out of libertarianism, but that's really like a whole can of worms. But I, I just will say man. yeah, that people confuse, like, the right to exclusion with, like, a right to, like, do whatever you want, in, including up to killing. It doesn't make any sense. There are situations where, where killing can be defensive, but, but, um. But and no, if you're not trying to avoid that almost, like, as much as humanly possible, I also don't trust yeah, you. Yeah. Again, if you oh, feel yeah. like you're dying to do it, which this dude, um, the hell's his name? I don't care. He's Harry. Um, Daniel Perry, yeah. Like, there's, you know, that's one of the reasons they convicted him, is because he kept writing, like, oh, stand your ground, ooh, self-defense, you could get away with killing protesters, I bet. That's one of the reasons they didn't buy his account of events, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't trust the bloodthirsty. Yeah, I, de- I definitely seen, like, like those were reasons to discount. Because normally, I mean, I think you get into weird issues where I think a legal system often effectively creates thought crime uh, and to where, uh, you know, an act is uh, punished even further um, because of the thoughts that we think were associated with performing it by that person. Right. But here, that's not exactly what happened because those things were used as evidence to figure out what happened. To diminish his credibility. In terms of him driving into the protesters and who put their gun up or if at all and things like that. So those things can be useful in determining and in terms of credibility, like you said, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, the legal system is strange because I mean, I always thought hate crimes were strange to like, as an added sort of thing to slap onto like a murder, but by this, I mean, you could also make the argument that, you know, first degree versus second degree murder. That's, that's almost a, the thought behind it is, is, is part of that. Or, you know, in like a certain legal decisions, like the, the, the one that, um, protects the right to flag burning in america that right. the way that was reasoned out was that if it's legal to burn a flag respectfully because that was the way you were supposed to like dispose of a flag you know if you're like some right. guy uh so if you can burn it while being all respectful of the flag but you can't burn it while being mad at the flag you are then outlawing the thought behind it and the supreme court said well can't do that I didn't know so, this at all. That's a fascinating. The law is very silly. That's what I'm trying yeah, that's, to say. That's fascinating. I didn't realize the argument that went into. Um, Some that. of those Supreme Court decisions, like, if you look at the actual, I mean, like, or any decision, obviously, the mindset, the reasoning, I mean, there's a reason. It's like a whole other silly language and way of thinking that. Yeah. Has yeah. utility, albeit limited, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think we underrate how the arbitrariness that ultimately underpins or in like you know a kind of like weird way um a lot of what seems to be rational on, on on the face face of it i mean i guess we could do worse a lot of the time but than yeah that, but yeah could always be worse could always be worse we could have to end the show soon 
we will never end this show. This show oh, is that, that's terrible. Uh, just a live feed of our lives, like the truth. Yeah. Like I mean, you have cats, though, and I only have plants, so my plants aren't as uh, charismatic, probably. You can watch them grow. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've seen a charismatic plant or two. <laughs> um, well, I think, though the first one wasn't as depressing or political, our, our, our finals, like, we got to have a little time to devote to something pop cultural slash happy. Um, and we didn't really discuss what we were going to do with that, though we did talk before the show about some quality stuff such as again my beautiful against me shirt against me i i really can't get the full effect but it has a like a cop riot helmet with some wheat growing out of it which i think is a lovely visual because it's not even violent necessarily it's just anti the institution um very very swords into plowshares you know that's the good bible shit right there but you told me you were going to go see Lord Jane Grace um, yeah. up against me playing solo soon. And yeah. that is cool. Yeah, she's touring um, by herself. I don't know what music she's going to play. Uh, maybe it's her own new music or I don't know. I, either way, very excited. I'm a big fan of Against Me and of Lord Jane Grace. So it uh, should be fun. should be fun. I, um, I've i seen Against Me more than a de- like <laughs> decade and a half ago, which is insane. Um but I just read Lord Jane Grace's memoir, which is kind of fraught but it, and, and kind of sad, but has some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff. And though I haven't seen the band lately or her lately, I always go back to their music now and again because, damn, that voice is fucking awesome. So I do yeah. really like her a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, she has a great voice. And, 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 yeah, the music has such great energy to it, you know, even how it's changed over the years a little bit. I mean, it has this passion behind it. I tend to gravitate, I think, towards a lot of, where you can kind of feel the emotion, you, you know, whatever genre necessarily, but you feel like they're singing about something that matters to them, and it's nice for that. Yeah, I I haven't seen a punk show, even if she's gonna be like acoustic or you know solo, like even something like that. It's been so it's been too long, and man, punk yeah, is a good shit. Expect. Yeah, I, I don't um, I don't know what to expect with that, but I'll report back. I may have incredibly expensive Taylor Swift tickets for June, but I also really uh, yearn for the punk shit. It's been too long. You're going to go see the Taylor Swift at her like big tour thing. Wow. That's cool. I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan, but I like some of her songs and that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's, I think the vibe, like I, the biggest show, let's see. I saw Simon and Garfunkel, old ass, excellent Simon and Garfunkel, the early aughts at nice. Some sport. It was pretty big. Um, I saw Green Day. We discussed them before. Yeah, very the show. jealous. Very jealous. Also, in a very God, was it the hockey? It was. It was a large, very large venue. But um, Taylor Swift is playing at like the football stadium here, so it's going to be what? absurd. <laughs> at a literal football stadium? Yeah, Man. like my tickets are terrible. I think, but like the whole vibe is going to be kind of a new thing. I love enthusiasm, like. One time I, I almost wanted to go to um, what was like a World Cup final game with my one friend and I have no interest in soccer, but like any big crowd of people who are really excited about something is sort of inherently interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You reminded me of uh, one time me and my wife, we took my sister-in-law, her sister to WrestleMania. <laughs> there you go. Wrestling event of the year. And that was the thing where she like didn't really know, like she wasn't really into wrestling, but like the um, 
the energy is, uh, uh, you know, um, intoxicating. And, um, and she, she got into it just as much as everyone else, even, you know, the, the matches and stuff. I, like, I've gotten really exhausted by sports because I live in near, or close enough to Pittsburgh, which is an incredibly sports-heavy town. I have yeah. family that worked in, like, sports broadcasting. So I was never super into sports. But in general, there's something fascinating about enthusiasm, especially when it's non bad enthusiasm. It's not politics. It's not a mob <laughs> convening on some victim. It's just a weird enthusiasm for something that you have no interest in is therefore kind of fascinating to me, I guess, because I don't know. So what I'm saying is I will go see wrestling with you. <laughs> if I'm ever in the neighborhood, you know, if it works out, let's do it. They announced WrestleMania next year's in Philadelphia. So Oh that's that's closer. You used to constantly oh. accuse me of living in Philadelphia. So I'm that's glad a weird you way to, that's a weird way to put like I would like be going to Philadelphia and be like, "Oh, hey, Lucy, like we should meet up," and like not remembering that you live in Pittsburgh or near Pittsburgh. I didn't it's a like solid you, six you, hours like, away. Lucy, you you live in Philadelphia. I just think I knew you for like four years before you could remember that I didn't live in Philadelphia. Okay, look, I'm not familiar that much with the state of um, Maryland or wherever you live. <laughs> uh, it's Delaware, obviously. Like Delaware is real. I don't believe in Delaware. Uh, I've never been around Pittsburgh. I need to. It has its charms. I would like to live somewhere else because I've lived here for too long. Do you live near I mean, like steel mills or? That used to be our thing. Um, now we have really good hospitals and some colleges, and we love sports. Those are our three things here in Pittsburgh. Not so bad. Those are that's what you can do work. I'm not super into sports anymore. I used to be more, but I like how they channel, like you said, perhaps a kind of mob mentality into something a little more pro-social and not bad. I mean, I remember my father once responding to the, the, the mindset of like the brotherhood of the military. Things like, I don't know, like I think of Black Hawk Down, which is an amazing looking piece of propaganda where it's like, well, sure, we had a pointless, bloody conflict, but really it's about the brotherhood. And my dad was like, yeah. just join a sports team. Like, what? <laughs> just join a sports team. That's great. That's No, that's a great line. I think that I think that encapsulates a lot. And I think it leads people to underrate sports as a social technology or phenomenon. I mean, I get, yeah, I get frustrated by it. And God, I mean, we have war and sports. Sports are like universal basic income. If we could just get rid of the other thing. That would be a great, like, I'd be, okay. What a weird analogy. Sports are like universal basic income. I'm, it's not my ideal thing. No, I get it. if we were to place the worst thing, just sweep yeah. it away and just have that thing. All right, it's like a preferable awesome. alternative, like a peaceful, <laughs> you know, alternative to. I, I you can quote me on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my expose of you no and one your will understand. creepy mansion and your um, weird analogies, creepy analogies. I mean, if I'm known for that in my life, on my grave, that's fine. I could do worse. Lucy, user of creepy analogies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Here lies, here lies her <laughs> corpse. Um, but yeah, you know, it's fair because I don't actually understand Texas or Florida, which are the only places that you ever seem to live. So you know what? Maybe I do live in Philadelphia. Who's to say? Totally subjective. Mm-hmm. Could be. I mean, 
isn't isn't geography and place names really subjective? No, it's not. But that's ah, fine. Damn. Okay. <laughs> but uh, pencil me in for the next WrestleMania is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> that I think that'd be pretty sweet because uh, not as good as. Oh, you've never me seen any wrestling Swift, at all. You'll you'll just go in fresh. That's a good. I one. believe I was messaging you about this and i was trying to think like how many wrestlers in human history could i name and the answer is what like four five maybe andre the giant is my favorite but that's because of the princess bride of course yes dude i love andre as a kid i would always rent the blockbuster tapes with with his old matches on them and i've never yeah i've never seen what that looks like i just he's he's so great in the princess bride oh yeah he is amazing in the princess bride love that movie Hold on, let me try. Is Andre uh, the Giant the four? He's kind of like four man in one. So is he the? Is that what you meant? Perhaps. Like <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Uh, That's not a wrestler. Said, uh, oh yeah, a lot. Um, Randy Savage. Hulk Hogan's it? not a wrestler though. It's a common. What is he? He's a politician. I see. Yeah, nothing to do with wrestling. Just like a misunderstanding. Okay, I'm gonna have to check. I'm gonna have to fact. Bro, check Randy that. Savage for sure, who also played Bonesaw in the Spider-Man movie. Which one? The first one with Tobey Maguire, and he goes oh. and wrestles. Remember that? Oh yeah, I re- I, re- I rewatched that like last year. I thought it held nice. up pretty well. Oh yeah, I love those movies uh, with a deep, deep passion. I need to rewatch the second one because um I think Tom Holland is, I love his portrayal. But he never got a movie as good as those first two Tobey Maguire ones that are very, I had a new appreciation for uh, William Defoe's, you know, phenomenal camp insanity performance and stuff. Um, those movies are just well balanced between like campy and sort of the danger is real. So, I yeah, and heart that. too. I think that's a big part of it. It's like camp and heart and sentimentality. Um, I don't dislike Tom Holland as Spider-Man, but his movies aren't as good uh yeah i, I just... wish you'd have a better like standalone movie because i really i think he's he's so great yeah Tom mcguire is the emo spider-man after all <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's a compliment uh depends <laughs> depends it led to those great bully mcguire memes you ever see those they're like edited shorts on the internet where it's like you know it's like have you seen avengers endgame yes it's like um, the portal scene, and like instead mm-hmm. of whoever, it's like he comes out, Bully Maguire, and he comes out like doing the finger guns, and like Thanos is like terrified and like <laughs> retreats just because of Bully Maguire like showed up. I They're really that. funny. They're like Entirely. honestly really good. Um, those That's memes, have le- or those memes, those movies have led to lots of memes. Okay, um, That's good. Yeah, it's helped their it's it's helped their cultural staying power. I just met Sam Raimi. Uh, last weekend, and I got my Spider-Man one movie poster signed by him. That's weird. Slash um, rad. Yeah, it was it was amazing. He's a really sweet little dorky guy, really. Um, and he signed my poster, and we chatted for a minute or two. Uh, and he wrote on my poster, "Be responsible." <laughs> <laughs> so, like, kind of a version of "With Great Power Comes from Great Responsibility." Yeah, yeah, I think that was definitely the idea. Um. How do you do? You like I've actually only ever seen Evil Dead two, 
And I saw that last year for the first time, and I, I thought it was pretty rad. So I haven't seen any of the Evil Dead movies. You can definitely skip right to two and kind of go with it. I'll watch them at some point. I've never been big on horror, but Sam does a lot of super movies too, so I've gotten through him through those. It's funny because he did a panel at... So I was at, this was at Megacon, like this big kind of comic uh, pop culture convention every year. Yeah, Florida. I saw some photos that like there looked like a good yeah. time. Yeah, it's a fun time. And uh, and Sam Raimi was there, and he did uh, a little panel, you know, forty five minute talk and Q and A sort of thing. And it was called the Master of Horror panel, mm-hmm. and um, they played a trailer for the new Evil Dead movie, which he's he's producing, I guess. And then they asked him a question or two about Evil Dead and and those movies and then they went to q a and so i waited like an hour to get into this panel so i could get first on the q a so this was really awkward because the whole panel was like master of horror and like a trailer for evil dead and all that stuff because he's like really famous for that um but i was i happened coincidentally to be cosplaying that day as reed richards so i was in the fantastic four costume and for people who haven't seen he was in Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness last year briefly. I haven't um, seen that yet. I've so oh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, and so I felt really awkward that I was like dressed as a superhero. And I asked him about like what he likes about superhero movies because he's the Spider-Man and then Doctor Strange. He also did Darkman, an obscure 90s film. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of that. And so it was really uh, kind of amusing, actually, because then some other people asked questions and they were also about the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> so I felt less bad, like. They just didn't really get that the audience would more be superhero fans than horror fans, even though there are some horror fans in Megacon. Yeah. But it was all about, like, Master of Horror, and then no one asked about Evil Dead at all. <laughs> so. <laughs> I bet I could have wrangled up an Evil Dead-related question, though I've only seen Evil Dead 2. Again, it's not super scary. It's, Can you it's... summarize Evil Dead 1 for me? I haven't seen it. Oh, no, I'm saying that should have been your question the same way. Right, yeah, no, I was like, well, the... I don't really understand because Evil Dead One has some like is like less comedic horror, but it's like partially the same movie. It's very confusing, but you can just skip right that. And Evil Dead Two, Bruce Campbell is just such a such a journey. I'm kind of a completionist. I think I'm going to start with. I'm not going to take your advice. Okay, well, you must do what you must follow your dreams. Yeah, you must follow your heart. Did you ever watch Bubba Hotep, where Bruce Campbell plays Elvis in a nursing home? No, that sounds fun though. That sounds good. Yeah, I need to rewatch that. Sounds That's solid. Bruce Campbell had a brief role in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. There you go, then. Pretty funny. It's all coming together. Yeah. All right, this podcast is dedicated to Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Imagine if that was the last thing that people ever saw of us on the internet. What? what? We just, I don't know. Right after I say that, <laughs> it must be a weird. You are know, creepy. That. Oh my god, how did I end the last podcast? Who knows? Uh, Just end every podcast being like, what if we died right now, right after this line? The audience won't know. And Life is heavy, man. That's a heavy thought. Yeah. yeah. Uh, dear god. Um, where should the people find you on the internet? Like, where oh, this are you? Stuff. Uh, you can just Google my name, and my writing is scattered across, or on Twitter, at Corey Massimino. Very good. Um, we have a proper bumper about non-servium, which if you'd forgotten, which I did, <laughs> this podcast is under the non-servium banner. How did you forget? Um, I don't know. Cause I'm Wait, where can people you. find you on the internet? You didn't do your thing. Who knows? Um, Lucy Stag. Um, I need to go back to Substack. It's I don't like newsletters. Lucy really Stag on Twitter. On Twitter. You didn't even clarify. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you, you can be my hype man, my PR guy. 
I'll pay you in your hype man. Wrestle wrestling action figures, maybe. I That's not bad. I, I have some of those. I would, <laughs> I would accept some for sure. Depends on what. Okay, so uh, are we gonna do this again this year? What do you think? What like talk this conversation? Like, this exact gonna... conversation? No, not this exact conversation. A different one. Are we gonna? Well, we can ask our viewers if they want us to reenact this exact podcast later, or if they want us to hire actors to reenact. <laughs> what about ex- puppets? Can we do puppets? Or puppets? You could do puppets. Like puppets, not like marionettes. Those we could have um, like the old Charlie dolls. That'd be weird. Or we could have a regular podcast, like um, sometime in May. That's maybe? tempting. That's tempting. Why don't we do that? Okay. Uh, All right. So I'll see you then, I guess. See you Uh, then. Thanks for sticking with us if you've gotten this far. I had fun, so I don't really care if you did, audience. Just kidding. You're good. I like I did not have fun, but it was worth it anyway. I hate you so much. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.